Hey everyone, before we get started with this week's episode, we wanted to acknowledge that like you, our hearts are breaking for the precious lives lost after the senseless and infuriating violence that occurred in Uvalde, Texas this past week. Having recorded this the Monday before the shooting, you're going to hear us laughing and joking like usual, but please know, we are mourning, we are grieving, and we are praying harder than ever after hearing about what happened. We will be addressing this as a community this weekend in our services. Until then, please continue to pray for the families of the victims. As Kevin wrote this morning in Take 5, our prayers must never drown out the call to action. And our call to action must never drown out the deep need for prayer. Both must be held together. Action and prayer. Empathy and responsibility. May God bless you this week. You're listening to CPC Together, a podcast by Central Peninsula Church in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, okay, so... We're we're starting now, and we're gonna start different because every single time we talk I about st- food, every single time. No, no. Every time I start with "Welcome to CPC Together," yeah, and I start, and you say that was the worst way to start. <laughs> so I figured what we could start with instead of me saying "Welcome to CPC Together," what if there was a jingle? <laughs> I think that'd be great. And do you I, have a jingle ready? I have written a jingle. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. You're going to love this. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you're looking for a download from the upload you received, if the sermon got you fumbling, because you don't speak no Greek, if the rat race and the fast pace leave you with no place to go, this podcast has your back. So welcome to the show. CPC together, that sweet harmony. Stolen weekend weather with Kevin and Randy. Oh. Kevin might be nerdy with theology, but Brennan makes it better by making it funny. Come on, let me hear some woos from you, Kevin. If, if they could only see your shirt and your dance moves that correlated. my I have palm trees. <laughs> palm trees and pineapples. How much time did you put into making that? I did that this morning. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty good. And this morning, CPT together. Did you, did you get to hear the lyrics at all? I heard a little bit of it. Something about Greek. If the pace has got you down. <laughs> Yeah, this shows for you. The chorus is CPC together, that sweet harmony. Uh, no storm that we can't weather with Kevin and Brandy. With Kevin and Brandy? Yeah, Kevin and Brandy. Uh, Kevin might be boring, or Kevin might be nerdy with theology, but Brandon makes it better by making it funny. Isn't that the best summation that's, of our podcast? That's pretty. That's pretty gold. <laughs> That's pretty cool. It had some like strong summer vibes. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I could listen to that by the pool. Yeah, it's like Uptown Funk meets um, what's like, that song? Hip, hip to the hip, it to the hop. 
<laughs> like like real old school, like early nineties, really eighties yeah. hip hop. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I think, mixed with like a beach party. I think it's a hit. <laughs> I think it's a hit as well. Oh, that, okay, that was gold. All right, it was really hard. I wanted as soon as I finished it, I wanted to send it to you this morning, but I said I got to surprise him with it on the pod. Oh, anyway, we goodness. want to officially welcome you. Thanks for joining. Man, I keep hearing more and more people. We haven't gotten metrics since like the first couple of weeks that we released this, but yeah. we are wondering how many people are actually listening to this. We still don't know. Yeah, right. As of now, all we know is that me and you just talk in this room and our moms listen. I think. <laughs> but we well, we are hearing more and more people that That's say, true. Hey, we are. We I are. really like your podcast. And then yeah. people also have recommendations. Yeah. You know, everyone thinks they could run a podcast. Yeah. They don't know how hard this, this is, Kevin. This takes, this is high pressure up here. Yeah, some this I've heard that some people told me it's too broy. Oh, yeah. Are we? Yeah, I mean, we had McKenna on last week, which was nice. Well, I mean, bro, come on. But <laughs> anyway. well, how would you define broy? Um, or back, how are they defined? How are the people? Backwards hat, um, <laughs> shirt like what I'm wearing right now. <laughs> no, no, not bro. Uh, uh, Oakleys. Oakley, ooh, Oakleys, man. But not like the baseball Cajosia Canseco yeah, 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 Oakleys, like yeah. the little like yeah. thin ones. That, the, the, the ones that I would get on Mexico mission trips. Yeah. Folkleys. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I think they're white, probably. White yeah, Oakleys. yeah, I would guess so. Kind of like, yeah, <laughs> that would make sense. White Oakleys. Okay. Oh. Anyway, um, hey, let's move into uh, what you actually talked about yesterday. <laughs> So that's that in the business they call that a smooth transition. <laughs> that was easy. So you said if Jesus had a thesis, uh, that yeah. it would be what he said here: repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Which yeah. is interesting because you said that you asked this at groups all the time, and I started trying to to think like what I would answer if you just asked me, okay, what is Jesus's thesis, or what's his? If you had to put it in one line, yeah, what would be Jesus's main idea? And it reminded me of this story of of um, interviewing at a church one time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've grown up in the church. My dad mm-hmm. is was and is a pastor. And I've been in ministry now for 18, maybe 19 years now. And so I've heard a lot of, a lot of talk about the gospel. Yeah. Right? Um, so when he asked me the question... It was like, oh, no problem. This is a no-brainer. Yeah. And then I started like just kind of trying to formulate my thought, and I realized I had way too many hmm. thoughts to choose from. Mm-hmm. And I started asking myself, well, what stream, um, what stream of like faith are these people in? Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. what stream of Christianity? It's mm-hmm. like because depending on what church or denomination they're a part of, yeah. you know, they might want to emphasize a certain part of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I started just getting overwhelmed. And then suddenly I looked and I realized it had been way too long since I'd said anything. And the entire room was just looking at me like, dude, this guy can't even this guy answer. Has been at church before? Yeah. And that got me embarrassed and made my, yeah. my mind wipe and my face turned bright red. And I just, I couldn't answer. Yeah. Like, what yeah, is the yeah. gospel? I was like, uh, you've got I don't know. Uh, atonement, I, uh, cross, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But I think there is, like you said, there is sort of like, um, I don't think confusion is the right word. It feels like, like, um, there's just, I don't know. How would you describe it? Like too many. Well, it's, it's kind of, and I, I I say this phrase often, but it's like, we become so familiar with it. We're actually unfamiliar with it. Like we just say something and we assume we know what that means, 
But in reality, it's like it's just a word that's kind of been taken for granted. But yet when you kind of hone down and like, OK, what is that particular thing? Uh, we miss it. Right. And I think what maybe the irony on this particular conversation and when I say, you know, the central point of Jesus mission was the kingdom of God. Um, you know, I think what's what's interesting about that is that I would I would say that most churches that isn't necessarily the central like message. Mm. And and that's a problem, right? If, in fact, we are right that this is the central message of Jesus, which for many reasons I think so. I think it is the center. I mean, it's over 126 times in the New Testament the kingdom of God is mentioned, which is a lot. Uh, it's a lot of um, continuation. Uh, at the beginning of Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel, at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, um, this is one of the first things, if not the first thing he says um, in their Gospels, it's essentially the author's way of saying, as Jesus is about to do the work of that he came to do, it all launches with this repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Mm. Um, not only that, it's built on, as I elaborate a little bit, the, you know, the time has come, that kairos that we talked about on Sunday, that it is built on the fullness of the story of the scriptures, is the idea of the kingdom of God coming um, and that being in there. So it's, it's not just the pinnacle of Jesus' message. It's really what the whole scriptures have been pointing towards. Um, but we've kind of lost that, you know what I mean? And, and we tend to, even you'd mentioned, we focus um, more a little bit on, on, um, on atonement and salvation, what happens on the cross, which, don't hear me wrong, that's like a cornerstone center. Without that, we don't have the, quote, gospel. Uh, but that isn't the gospel. That's a part of the gospel. Mm, yeah. The gospel is the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God coming. Um, of which, again, the cross is the center point, the cross and the resurrection. And maybe that's part of it, that we kind of tend to, a lot of movements, you know, are founded on this one kind of part of the gospel that they feel like is yeah. underrepresented or something. And yeah. so they'll go on this crusade about grace. And it's like, yes, grace yeah. is a big part of the gospel. But yeah. grace isn't the entirety of the kingdom of God. Isn't Therefore, it's not the entirety of the gospel. I think that yeah. you, you mentioned uh, the word, the Greek word, is it Greek? Euangelion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. euangelion. Um, and, and that's where we get evangelical, Yeah, right? Yeah, which is, I mean, yeah, it comes from... Or even evangelical. Good news is what our, our you know, the, the text in Mark says in Matthew. Um, I think almost any time you read the word good news in the Bible, it's going to be euangelion, which is where then we derive um, gospel, um, which then is where we get our English word evangelical as well, is that it's built on that word euangelion. And, you know, to illustrate the point you were just making, like, just that word alone <laughs> is <Yeah>. so <laughs> charged now. Like, if you just yeah. type evangelical into Google right now. Mm. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I would imagine. You're not going to get repent for the kingdom of heaven is yeah. near. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but really, if you're an evangelical by definition. Yeah. You're a gospel person, right? You're a good yeah. news person. Yeah. Which that's not at all what. The definition is whether you like the current definition of evangelical yeah. or whether you don't like it really doesn't have anything to do like with yeah. with what it actually means, which I think is just kind of fascinating and and sort of just makes me realize that we we have a tendency to drift away from yeah. the center of it. Yeah. All. And I think one of the ways you can you can see the drift from that is if you were to ask a non church person what an evangelical is. Um, that will reflect back to us often what it's become, which is again that sort of drift. And I mean, if we're honest, it's, it's my guess is that the average, you know, Bay Areaite who doesn't attend church, if you ask what an evangelical is, they're going to define a voting block. 
Yeah. They're going to say that's kind of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that that's because the word's been co-opted a bit. It's been politicized um, to what it really originally was, which has been historically a, a pretty slippery word to to kind of to really define i mean other than again as you just said like good news people like at its etymology because it's rooted in this greek word gospel like that's what we are we're good news people we're gospel people uh, but as far as like how like who is quote an evangelical in the broader christian tradition we've had some trouble with that i mean the closest we've ever gotten is uh david bebbington yes. which is sir bebbington <laughs> sir bebbington uh and he him and a uh, historian mark knoll wait wait just tell him what this thing is called <laughs> it's, it's he, the... he, kevin said this to me earlier as we were talking <laughs> as if it was a normal thing the bebbington quadrilateral <laughs> Like this is something that we all just read when we wake up in the morning. Yeah, you just you just read about <laughs> Bevington's quadrilateral. <laughs> but what it is is uh, Sir Bevington and uh, another historian, American historian Mark Knoll, uh, who's done a lot of work around evangelicalism in particular, um, is they're trying to say, okay, what does it mean to be an evangelical um, in the broader Christian tradition? And so they came up with this quadrilateral, which is really built on four principles of what a uh, what they think is an evangelical, and this again, it's not perfect, but this is the closest we get to kind of, at least when me and you use the word evangelical, as far as a Christian stream, what we mean. And it, the four the four principles are, you'd be, um, the first is biblicism, so it has a particular regard for the Bible. So you think of our church as an evangelical church, we deeply believe in the Bible, um, we deeply, deeply care, believe that that's, that's the center point of, of how we um, organize our kind of worship gatherings is from the scriptures. Uh, the second would be a crucicentrism, uh, which is a focus on Christ's work on the cross. You can hear the word crucify in there. Um, the second would be convert. I'm sorry. The third would be conversionism. So the belief that every individual can, in fact, be reborn or converted um, in the faith. And then the fourth one is activism, a belief that the gospel needs to be expressed in effort outward. Um, so those four things: biblicism, crucicentrism, conversionism, and activism are what um, at least historians, particularly in academic circles. Uh, we look at to say that is what evangelical means. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing we were talking about earlier is, you know, as the word has drifted in meaning, um, what does it still have value? And that, that's hard because, again, it's drifted so far. Um, and I tend to be in the, the kind of ilk that sometimes labels actually get in the way. Yeah. You know what I mean, we're not really, I'm not really interested in. Um, you know, I, I am an evangelical. I find myself in that tradition. It's a tradition I was born into and, and raised in. But I'm really much more worried about following Jesus than I am about being an evangelical. Mm. And so that's one of those things I often think through, like, what is the value of labels? Um, they're helpful at times. They're unhelpful at other times. Um, but I think I think the really importance is, like, particularly in light of this, is are we people who are living into the kingdom of God? You know, if that's the center point of our faith, that's what I hope to really be. That's the label I want. Is, is a citizen of the kingdom of God and a, and a life that reflects that. So I love your, everyone has loved your story, uh, the road trip story. Um, <laughs> yes. Was that, that was real. Right? That was you didn't just make that up for like all 36 hours of it in the car was very much real. Insane. <laughs> and then when you, I love the, oh. I love when you finally roll up to Montana or wherever you're going, you said this I got was the, the Herald best. the good news, baby. Yeah, this was the best news ever. <laughs> Family. The kingdom of Montana has arrived. It is I was, here. I was picturing um, the Christmas vacation like um, station wagon <laughs> yeah. that whole time, by the way. And like you know, your family just losing their mind. Yeah, it was. Just... I mean, we, no doubt, like when you talk to our family, 
every one of us had a breakdown at some point in that trip. Like it was just, and we, you know, Lindsay and I had started with like being good parents. We weren't going to give them iPads, and so we we're going to have good family oh conversations. Oh my gosh, yeah, you're like forget and about that. the third hour. It's stuck at the summit. We're like, we are out of movies for you to watch. We're done. Just keep watching what you have. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah, but it, you you brought it. You were using it to illustrate this uh, sense of anticipation, you know, because. Yeah. Um, the Israelites have been waiting 400 years for this news and gone through way more pain than a 36-hour yeah, road trip yeah. waiting for and anticipating God. But it made me start thinking, like, is there still a waiting? Like, is there still an anticipation yeah. that we experience here? Like, yeah. is there, how does that hit us here? Like, yeah, um, it feels like there is. Yeah. No, and, and I think that's when we look at you know, when you hear a claim that Jesus makes the kingdom of heaven is here and that I was, you know, kind of doubling down on on Sunday. Um, but then we watch the fallout of the world around us. We, 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 we have, you know, often have a hard time thinking, is, in fact, the kingdom of God here? It's, it feels like it doesn't. It feels like it isn't. Um, and so theologians talk about um, this being the, the $10 phrase for it. And then I'll give you a $2 phrase for it, which makes more sense. Uh, but the $10 phrase is inaugurated eschatology. And what's meant by that is inaugurated, meaning it's started, it's begun. And then eschatology is the study of the way things finish. Um, and so that is inaugurated, it's begun here and now. Um, the better phrase for it, the maybe more accessible phrase, is the, the, the now and not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And so when Jesus says it's here, um, it is present, but there is that still that longing, that anticipation um, where we see you know heaven and earth fully reunited um, you know, it's it's also in scripture called the day of the Lord, right? Or judgment day is a sense in which everyone, um, believe it or not, resurrected, come before Jesus. And then we have this moment in which judgment occurs. And, and then you have kind of the kingdom of God fully present where new creation um, is fully made manifest on this earth, right? Not somewhere else. The action's here on this earth. And you have then this, um, this day that, that becomes, you know, the day of the Lord. It's Christ's second return in which the kingdom of heaven um, and earth are fully, or, or Paul would say, I actually like this language better, where Christ is all in all, um, where he is fully saturating the, you know, this very earth. Um, and that's that, that sort of now and not yet. So, so we are still waiting. So that know? judgment day is happening here on earth? Uh, yeah, as far as we know. Where, where do you think Where else happen? would it happen? <laughs> do you think it'll happen like, like somewhere like in Elko, Probably Nevada? <laughs> In Elko, Nevada. Yeah, I'm just wondering, and, uh, like, where will it be? Where's it going to be? That's a good question. Yeah, yeah, I could tell you where. Where uh, it'll probably happen somewhere on that road trip, somewhere on that journey. Is my guess. We had a few judgment days. <laughs> so, so the kingdom is here. Yeah, and even so, we watch the disciples. Yeah, getting it wrong, and it's easy for us today to look at them and be like, ah, oh, you guys are a bunch of idiots. <laughs> but we get it wrong. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I love how you kind of described like kingdom, like the word kingdom and you used boredom, like the domain of, yeah, yeah. you know, the domain of being bored, you yeah, know, kind of yeah. thing. Um, so like if we were going to say maybe some of the misconceptions or, um, you know, whatever uh, of, of the kingdom, mm. What are some things, it's kind of a weird way to say this, but what are some things that the kingdom is not? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, I think when we think about the way the disciples got it wrong, um, and I'll circle back to kind of the way we misconceive the kingdom of God as well, but one of the things I think we have to note is is often what the disciples got wrong about it 
was it's the, um, the means in which it was brought about, if that makes sense. Like they, they had a better understanding than we do as far as Jesus being king. But they, they read that in, in actually many ways that we drift from it as well as that sort of coercive power over that sort the of kind like, of kings that they always saw. Yeah, exactly. The military figure, the uh, they wanted a they wanted a Caesar, right? They thought it'd be like Caesar Jesus or something that could like overthrow and rule with an iron fist. Caesus. Uh, <laughs> Caesars, <laughs> but that would be you know and so in their way they 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 wanted it to be ushered in in that way um and that's that's a lot of how they got it wrong you know that's like um it it be yeah, it, it became the reflection or the image of their deepest hope which ultimately became something radically different in the way of jesus is the kingdom of god ended up being radically different yeah because if you're wanting that kind of king yeah and then jesus comes yeah and he's he's being all Jesus. Yeah. Like, that's going to kind of make you mad. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, like, even think about, like, when Peter, right? Think about when, when Jesus predicts his death, and he says, I have to go to Jerusalem where I'll die. And Peter's like, not a chance. Like, that's, no, like, you can't do that. What Peter's expressing there is that's not the kind of king that's going to rule, that's going to bring in the kingdom of God. The king that I'm going to, like, fall behind is the one who's going to come, you know, with, with you know, on, the, on blazing fire or whatever and come and burn the the empire down yeah um and that's his misconception is is because again this new creation that's coming is i hear um actually the guy I quoted um later which we can talk about in a second um tim gombas he talks about the difference between new creation dynamics and old creation dynamics and he says the world and the kingdoms of this world operate out of old creation dynamics which is power over coercion violence um, all of those sorts of things that bring about and deal with the world as it is now. What again, Paul would say the the present evil age that's passing away. He says new creation though functions on new creation dynamics, and that's where you see, particularly in the prophets, when it talks about like the lion and the lamb lying down together. Hmm. That's new creation. They don't lie down together now. Where it talks about we'll beat our swords into plowshares, He's saying we don't need weapons anymore. Weapons become literally garden tools, Mm. right? Tools for cultivation, not destruction. And so new creation dynamics um, are what we as disciples learn because you cannot bring about or live into new creation built off old creation dynamics. And the disciples wanted the kingdom of God. They wanted new creation to come built on old creation dynamics. Mm. And that just doesn't work. Like you just can't do, they cannot bring about that. Um, and so that was what they kind of kept aching for and longing for. Um, but it just wasn't how, you know, how new creation operates, how the kingdom of God operates. I even think about Peter at the garden when he chops off the, yes. Yeah. The guard's ear. He yeah. wants to get, let's get violent. Like yeah. I want to defend you with, you know, yeah. the way that I think Kings would defend. Yeah. And, and how does Jesus respond there? Put away your sword, and then he heals the guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's bringing about that. That's new creation dynamics yeah. right at play with exactly as you say, Peter bringing these kind of old creation dynamics to bear. Um, and Jesus just interrupts that. Says, "Listen, if you if you kill by the sword, you're going to die by the sword." And he's he's more or less saying that matter of factly, like that's how the old creation works, and it's reeked with violence and pain and death. It's not going to bring about that new creation. So we don't love kings as much as you know they did. Um, but what what are some of our things yeah that we struggle with now what what are the things that we trip Yeah over? I think some of the misconceptions we have um again when when we think of how do we redeem the word kingdom of god um or kingdom of heaven as Matthew would say 
um, is we tend to first think of, and I, I detailed a little bit on Sunday, how when Matthew uses kingdom of heaven, we think of heaven as like somewhere out there, like away from this place. Like, I don't know about you, but I always assumed as a kid growing up hearing about heaven that it was like the layer above the clouds. Yeah, I'll fly away. <laughs> Some glad morning, I'll fly away. Right? Oh, Which Lordy, is, yeah. Yeah, beautiful song, but horrible theology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, what you picture when you're singing that song. You yeah, know, is that you'll be above float the clouds, and... floating around or whatever. Well, because, and... I mean, you know, Jesus ascended. So it kind of be like mm-hmm. when Jesus ascended, it was like, oh, you know, Jesus is going in some cloud up to the heavens. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't just Michelangelo. It wasn't just Michelangelo. <laughs> but but the problem with that, though, is we, this is going to get super nerdy. <laughs> it's about to get really nerdy. But we have to understand kind of what the, um, I'm going to use a word, I can't think of a better one, what the metaphysical picture of the world was for the disciples is the disciples assumed certain things about, quote, the heavens and the way the world was operating <clears throat> um, that we just don't now because we we have the improvements of science that have allowed us to understand our world a little better. And so that's why when when the biblical authors say they, he ascended to heaven, they think of that as a literal ascension, um, like literally going up, whereas I think it'd, it'd be better understood as that kind of God or God dimension, as I talked about, that heaven is God's dimension. It's not necessarily a location, but a dimension. And so, yes, if Jesus ascends or whatnot, he's not literally disappearing into the clouds because we understand that above the clouds, if you've been in an airplane, it's just more sky, right? Like there's not a literal heaven there. Um, but it, it's that sort of, we have a different metaphysical picture of the world where we understand space and the galaxies in a different light. Um, but that was never necessarily where God, quote, was anyway. It's, again, God in God's space. Unless you're a flat earther. And the, have you ever like, talked to a flat earther? I've not. They have a completely different take on everything. They do. On that's a lot all I'll of say. It things. was crazy, man. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, so I'd say that that's one misconception is that heaven is out there somewhere. But I think the other misconception when we read the kingdom of God is we think of it as life after death, or what often people commonly call heaven. They think of like life after death as heaven. Uh, but again, if heaven is God's space which is where we see God interacting in the world. And it, you know, when we have those encounters of God here on earth, that's not after death. And so we can think of, he- you know, the kingdom of God as something that happens after we die. But again, Jesus says it's here. It's happening now. And, and so that's not necessarily the trajectory of the story as well. So the kingdom of heaven is not out there somewhere, somewhere else. It's not life after death. Although again, the kingdom of God will exist after death. But it's not wait around until life after death. And I think one of the third misconceptions is that we think of the kingdom of God as the church. And that's not the case either. Hmm. The kingdom of God has a church, right? Like we are the church and we we're are entrusted. With we're entrusted, yeah, with, with a level of that. Um, but it isn't the church itself. Um, and we can, we can tend to reduce it to that. And so when you invite people into the kingdom of God, we think of like, oh, that means they got to be here at 1,005 Shell Boulevard on a Sunday. No, that's not it, actually. There, there's far more to this idea of living in communion with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within you, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we have, to, we have to make sure we don't think of the kingdom of God as the church, um, because that is just, it, they're two different things. You know? I think um, probably another maybe less defined one, but one that I feel like creeps into our culture and you know 
general, maybe Christian culture in general, you know, people will say like, oh, I'm, I'm going to get my life together and go back to church. And there's this sort of misconception that when you, when you lean into the kingdom of God, that it means that your will is going to be accomplished. It means mm. that like your, like what you want out of life is going to finally happen for you. Yeah. Yeah. Which in a sense, like our deepest longing yeah. is God and in yeah. his kingdom. Like, so in a sense, it's not wrong, but I think that you see a lot of different Christian movements um, yeah. that will make the kingdom of God about making us prosperous in the way that we want to prosper yeah. here. Yeah. And we mentioned a little bit of that last week, but yeah. um, the kingdom of God is not about our will being done. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not about us living our best life and yeah. being, you know, happy. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. that we want need to walk around miserable, but I mean, but it's when, inherently the opposite, right? It's yeah. God's <laughs> kingdom come God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now again, and, and you even see um, you see that a little bit of Jesus. In, I think of the scene in Gethsemane, right, where he's praying right before he goes to the cross, and he says, "Lord, I don't want to. I don't want to drink from this cup." And he's speaking about his death that's to come. He says, "But not my will, but your will be done." Mm, yeah. Right, and he he's saying essentially he's surrendering his vision of the good life, which gets a bit messy because obviously Jesus, as the Son of God, fully God, all of that sort of thing. But he's surrendering that to the will of the Father. But the, uh, yeah, the temptation would be knowing the suffering he's going to endure. Yeah, uh, you know the will wouldn't the human will wouldn't want that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't desire that. Yeah. yeah, and so then when we talk about yeah, and I think it's it's that's a great point. Like when we think of our will, part of that work of discipleship is is getting that your own will and authority and and autonomy that you have to make decisions and choice getting that renewed so that that vision of the good life is Jesus' vision of the good life. And I can assure you that doesn't, that's not the one we're born with. You know, our vision of the good life just by existing in the Bay Area would be some semblance of the American dream. Mm. And that's just not, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily bad per se, but it's certainly not like at the core of God's will or desire, right? There's something far more than that. Um, And it's built, again, think of all the ways in which the kingdom is spoken about. First will be last. If you want to live, you have to die. Like all those sorts of things where it's actually in laying down your life that you find life. Um, and so you have to then take take that will and allow that to be transformed and aligned with the vision of the good life that, that Jesus has on offer, which will be radically different than what we think. So then he moves on to, so the kingdom of God is near or repent for the kingdom of God is near, but you moved on to repentance Mm-hmm. And that in light of this kingdom, uh, in light of this good news, that we're actually supposed to Montaneo. It sounded like you were saying <laughs> Mon- Montanao. <laughs> I, I hope I wasn't saying that because that's not very close. <laughs> Montana, Montana, eo? Meta, M- no, eo. Oh. <laughs> There's no Montana in it. There's no Montana. That was the road trip. <laughs> meta, no, oh, yeah, eo. Meta, yeah. meta no, eo. Meta, yeah. it almost sounds Hawaiian. It does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's built off two words. So you hear the word meta, yeah, right? Again, not the social media company. Uh, and then it's built on this noeo. It's actually a, a conjugation of a Greek word, gnosko, uh, which means to think or to learn or to understand. Um, and so when you put that together, um, it's change, meta, change your thinking, yeah. change what you understand. So rethink. Yeah. You, had a, you had a great quote by a uh, good old Tim Gombis. I Timmy love that Gombis. guy. Yeah. Um, what is that? 
Yeah, so he says, uh, and this is in his commentary on Mark, uh, one of the, the sources I'm using as we prep these sermons. Um, but he says, to repent, metanoeo, is to change one's mind, to embrace new thought patterns, to expand the horizons of current thought and behavior, and to imagine the new attitudes, redeemed social practices, and life-giving patterns of behavior that are consistent with inhabiting God's kingdom. Hmm. I like that. (laughs) I I thought you were going to have a follow-up. I did too. But then I think you were thinking I was going to follow it up. Yeah. Um, Here's what I love about it. (laughs) Here's what I love about it is is I think, um, and one of the reasons I wanted to kind of refocus on this word repent is this is another one of those like gospel, like kingdom of heaven, which I felt like this text was just littered with words that we're familiar with, but yet have lost their edge. Mm. And repentance is one of those. Yep. Uh, we tend to think when I say repent, we think I, I would, I, we probably think of two things. We think of the guy in, you know, out in uh, Union Square with the sandwich board and the bullhorn yelling at people to repent because they're all going to hell. So we tend to think of that, uh, which is not great, not a good vision. Uh, or we think of the other one where it's like you're alone in your room kind of weeping in grief and sorrow over your sin and brokenness, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like there is grief and sorrow, you know, that's involved there and understanding our guilt and all that, of course. Uh, But that's a pretty flat view of repentance. And repentance, at least the way we see it play out in the New Testament, particularly in Jesus' words now, is not arbitrary, say you're sorry. It's no, 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 your life is out of step or not consistent with inhabiting God's kingdom here and now. Mm, yeah. And, and it's speaking in a kind of totality of your life, right? So it's not just your personal piety. Um, it is that. It's the way in which you interact with God and your relationship with God. It, but it's also like, and that's what I love about Gamba's definition, that idea of new attitudes, new thought patterns, and your redeemed social practices, mm. right? And he's saying that the like the kingdom of God doesn't just impact you individually; it's an invitation to an entire new social organization of your life. And so, the way you interact with neighbor, the way you interact with the church, and the way you interact with coworkers, kids, spouses, roommates—like all of that—takes a different shape and flavor um, because the kingdom of God is here. And that reality means that, again, going back to that new creation dynamics, that means that community has to function differently. I mean, think of the idea of like generosity. Like we have generosity in our world, like people want to be generous and whatnot. But, but what, what kind of the New Testament is teaching around that is we give not because it's a good thing to give, but we give because that's how the new kingdom operates, is it fills the gap of all of the needs of those community members. And so generosity isn't just to feel good about yourself or to give back, but it's, no, you are fundamentally about and living in the kingdom of God. And the way that kingdom operates is the recognition that my money is not my own, that I am not my own, that I am meant to be given and shared. And so then that becomes the sort of ethos from which we live as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so it has a different footing right like and again i don't want to bash on like kind of secular generosity i think that's a great thing it's a really good thing Um, but it's built on a different foundation than when the kingdom of god and the christian says this is how we handle financial matters they're Mm. just different you know it's just different yeah this this it makes me think like this is actually challenging man reorder reordering your 
the way that you live your social life. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm going to out myself here. I, I drive home and I'm a drive as long as my garage is clean enough, I'm a drive into my garage and shut my garage door and go in and hang out with my family kind of guy. Yeah. And, um, like to challenge the way that I interact with people that I've been doing my entire life. Yeah. Um, man, that, that is, I, it, it actually is confronts me mm. a little bit and it makes you think a little bit like there's, there is a sense. And this is, I think where Jesus goes next. Like there's a sense in which you, you need to buy in and trust yes. that this kingdom yeah. is better. Yeah. Because like, I, I feel like we, this is a step in faith, Kevin. I feel like we, so at least for speaking for myself, it's easy to, to live in church world and not make, not mm. take this step mm. of saying, I trust that this kingdom is better yeah. and I trust it enough to change the way that I interact. Yeah. I trust it enough to make myself uncomfortable yeah. and talk to my neighbor. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or invite those people over for dinner, mm-hmm. or give beyond what I think we should, we, you know, what I'm comfortable giving. You yeah. know, like there's a point in which we have to say, "I believe it, yeah, I trust it," and that's what Jesus is asking too, right? Yeah. And the next thing that you talked about is yeah. when he says, "Repent and believe." Mm-hmm. It's not just you, you putting your think it, yeah. yeah you're okay. <laughs> I believe, I believe, I believe. You know, yeah. say it three times and click your heels, and then suddenly you believe. No, it's yeah. a it's an action. So when you when you say belief, you said it's we act as if the kingdom is real because it is. Yeah. But I just want to point out for me and I hope I think for a lot of you, too, that that step is arguably the hardest. step. Yes. Yeah. Because we can go to church and we can say, oh, I totally. Yeah, Jesus, you're the greatest, you know, yeah. and we can sing the songs. And wow, Kevin, that exposition on that that you know, passage was super good and you can talk Mm. with people and you Mm -hmm. can even go to small group and you can exist in this ecosystem without taking the step to say, I will change my life to become more like Jesus and to live into his kingdom. I just think that, I don't Mm. know, it's hitting me as I'm talking right now. It's like, that'll (laughs) preach, man. That'll preach. Well, and that's why I love that definition of faith or belief, um, which is again, the Greek word pistuo as allegiance. And it's like, do you pledge allegiance to Jesus, to King Jesus? And in that, right, there is, and why I love that that framing of allegiance is that assumes, that assumes a different type of life, right? In the same way that when we pledge allegiance to the flag, right, if we do, uh, then that, that also then offers a set of social practices and customs that come with that. Mm. And the Christian, the allegiance we pledge is to King Jesus, above all other allegiances. And that is the thing in which we pledge fully into and say the kingdom of God is the organizing principle of my life. And that will inherently, because the kingdom of God is this sort of transnational, global, renewing movement that God is doing through all of creation, it will inherently mess and demand that we challenge our other allegiances. And so we can't then, at some level... pledge allegiance to other things because Jesus has our utmost allegiance. And so in that, that necessitates then that trust you're talking about to say, okay, when Jesus says it is better to give than to receive, do I actually live as if that's true? If I believe it's actually better to love my enemies and that's how the kingdom of God operates, do I actually step into that? 
right? Or do I at least step into the training to understand how to do that? Mm. But it's it's when that exactly what you're saying, like when the rubber meets the road, do, do that's when we find out what our allegiance is. Yeah. And I'm with you, man. Like I'm fully like I'm a mixed bag of allegiances, right? Between mm. my own abilities, my own trust in my retirement fund, the giants, the giant, yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> but it's like we all have those things in which we when we, when the rubber meets the road, it's like man, I am not. As, as far along in my apprenticeship to Jesus as I'd like, because I'm still leaning on these other things, my own abilities, my own whatever. Um, and so we, we haven't, like I find more and more, I haven't fully like, I try to have an allegiance here and an allegiance here. Yeah. A trust in yeah. Jesus and a trust in myself. Hmm. A trust in Jesus and whatever, right? Whatever, you know, structure or thing or social practice that's keeping me in the world, um, but not really, in, you know, fully finding myself in the kingdom of God. So we want to leave you with the, the questions that Jesus, um, that Jesus, <laughs> we want to leave you with the questions that Kevin asked at the end of his message yesterday, which is actually for you, it'll be five days later, five days ago. But what, what are the nets? So when Jesus asked the disciples, you know, let go of your nets and come follow me, yeah. they dropped their nets. Yeah. Um, what which is doesn't the, mean, by the way quit your job like that was their job but it was far more like in that there was there was identity there was all sorts of things there that are wrapped up in there and i i would i would actually suggest that we we need far more people continuing in their vocations and jobs and ministries but doing them through the lens of the kingdom of god Um, so it doesn't mean quit your job but it means like what are those identity holders yeah that what are you are holding on to that yeah. you need to let go? Yes, yeah. Let, that you need yeah. to let go of. So consider that right now, where you are, driving in your mm. car, walking on the Bay Trail. Folding laundry. Yeah. I do dishes and podcasts. You're the only one. <laughs> you're the only one. But whatever you're doing, what is the thing you need to stop? What is the thing you need to let go of that, yeah, oh, man. But uh, also, then the second one is saturate yourself in the life of Jesus. I love that. And you gave... Um, you gave an example of something you're doing that you're going to try to read through the Gospels every month. Yeah, yeah. all four Gospels, and, and just kind of get over and over again. And yeah. it really, it. I mean, I've done this before, and uh, a couple, of, uh, a friend of mine did it. Shout out to Russ Bell. We read, read through the the Gospels. It's incredible what uh, what you real what you see again when you read the yeah. words of Jesus, or you see the life of Jesus, and you see what where our faith began. Yeah. Yeah, and his kingdom and how he lives, it really, really is incredible. Yeah. And so, we just have to immerse ourselves in Jesus. I mean, if we're going to understand how to live into the kingdom of God, we there's just no other option than to immerse ourselves in the very life of Jesus. I think there's probably a, a um, an opportunity and and a market to to make a VR Jesus experience. <laughs> like if we could just start each day putting on the VR. And maybe we're there with him, you know, like we could do like scenes from Chosen, yeah. you know, but you're there too and you can walk around. What do you think? I bet someone's working on it. <laughs> Which I, I'll pass. I'll let them do it. Anyway, hey, I hope this has been helpful for all of you. Thanks again for all the feedback that you give us. Um, if you like this and you think it's useful, pass it on to someone that you know. And I think there's no better way to end this episode than with the CPC Together jingle. So we will leave it with you see you guys later if you're looking for a download from the upload you received if the sermon got you fumbling because you don't speak no greek 
If the rat race and the fast pace leave you with no place to go, this podcast has your back. So welcome, welcome to, to the show! CPC together, that sweet harmony. No stolen weekend weather with Kevin and Randy. Kevin might be nerdy with theology, but Brennan makes it better by making it funny. Ha, 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 ha. 